teve. That is right, ladies and gentlemen. When you hear that sound, you know it's time for Brooklyn Paper Radio, hosted, of course, by Gersh Kunstman. That's me of the New York Daily News. And Vince DiMaselli, editor of these Brooklyn Papers. We are recording live. It is our last show of the year from the Brooklyn Paper Building in downtown Brooklyn, America's downtown. And it's our anniversary show. Gersh. It's our anniversary it's show. Like it's our one last year, show. One year of Brooklyn Paper Radio. Last show of the year. And you know what we always like to do? It's we do a, this every year. It's Christmas. We wanted to get everybody a present. Oh, we did, but we didn't know your size. Of course. We, how could we know all your sizes? So we decided we'd do the next best thing. We put together the best clips from 2016 Brooklyn Paper Radio. And I'm talking about clips with Carlos Santana talking yep. about his hot wife. We're talking about Michael Moore talking about foreign policy. Mm -hmm. We're talking about Adam Durwitz of Counting Crows talking about creativity. And, of course, we're talking about Max Yeager talking to Gersh Kunstman about his failed relationships. It's there and more if you stay tuned. And if you stay toward the end of the show, we'll have a special treat with uh, George Clooney will be joining us. George Clooney will be joining us. So, but you got to stay to the end. Now, we're going to do this. It's our last show of the year. We're going to do it commercial-free. So as you know, the show is always sponsored by Dr. Joseph Lichter, Atlas Steakhouse, and, of course, our friends at um, Village Care Max. Oh, yeah. But we're going to do it commercial-free. So all I would say at this point is if you need a dentist who has the state-of-the-art dentistry technology and techniques at an affordable price, you go to Dr. Joseph Lichter. He go does there. the porcelain veneers. He does the dentistry. He does the implants. does cosmetic, fixed yes. bridges, whole thing. Fraction of the cost of those fancy dentists in Brooklyn Heights. So you just call Lichter today, 718-339-7878. Set up an appointment. He's down on Avenue P in Midwood. But like I said, we're going to do this commercial free. So yeah, no, Dr. Joseph Lichter is josephlichterdds.com. Yeah. And we got to do it. We got to keep it commercial free. No commercials tonight. No, none at all. So just so you know, if you're out in Dittmas Park and you got nothing to do, head over to Atlas Steakhouse where they offer you a unique dining experience. First, you choose your steak there. Every steak that they have is cut and aged to tender perfection on site. But this isn't a commercial. No, this, this is, is not. I, I, this is why you got to go. Then you can pair it with the vintage. Uh, from their extensive wine list or uh, with one of their Atlas Steakhouse signature cocktails. I've been there and I've had the uh, the Godfather. It's delicious. You should give it a shot. You can enjoy the succulent appetizers the, as the master chef there will craft your choice cut uh, as you desire. Then, tell, me, tell me about the desserts. Well, the great thing about the desserts, after you have your main course, of course, which will arrive, and you'll know why at Atlas Steakhouse, they always treat, you're always a cut up of the rest. But when they bring out those desserts, they bring them up. And they're lined up for you. And you can choose from any one of those desserts. And each one is sweeter than the last. Atlas Steakhouse, as you know, 943 Coney Island Avenue. That is not a commercial. That is Atlas Steakhouse. All right. Just so you know, we're doing this last episode of 2016 commercial free. So I'd like to hand out a little amaretto. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Johnny, you got a little amaretto hey, there? thank you. This is made, believe it or not, in-house by Laura Cangiano. Yeah. And I'm the reason I bring it up. Is that legal? Yeah. I don't know. Skull, guys. Skull. That's the reason I bring it up is because I drink amaretto because I enjoy living the life that I want to live. And the way I continue to do that at my age is Village Care Max. Yep. You know why? They're a team of healthcare professionals. They work with my doctors. They work with my home care providers. They keep me in my home so I can live and, as I said on an ep earlier episode, have the sex I want to have. So all you do. Do the things you want to do. It's not expensive. It's part of your Medicare. Yeah. Village Care Max, you call them, 800-469-6292, or you visit them at villagecaremax.org, Village Care Max, for the life you want to live, and that means, cheers, guys. Hey. Happy New Year. Great episode. Johnny, let's start cheers. this show. Now, let me tell you what we're going to do. 
We've called. Johnny is our producer. Johnny, thank you for doing all the hard work. Sure. He has called. We just show up. He has. In this case, it's true. We he just has show called up. all the best clips from 2016. And as I said, Michael Moore, Tony Danza, Patrizio Buono. He's great. Carlos Santana. And and also Farrell Foster, folk singer from Brooklyn. A yep. lot of great guys. Got so, our song there. Dice. And Andrew Dice Clay. Talking yep. about me as a father. It's fantastic. And so and sit back. Grab your own amaretto. And let's do this thing. It's 2016 Brooklyn Paper Radio Retrospective with Gersh Kunzman and Vince DiMasselli. First, Vince, yeah. let's start with the first clip. Go. Do you remember when we had Adam Duritz from Counting Crows on I, the phone? I do. He's one of my idols. Well, you know, we got him fired up about what it's like to make art at his age after having a very big early hit in his career. Yeah, I think he was upset that you slammed Bob Dylan, right? I might have said something about Bob Dylan, but Johnny, let's play that one. Art's a weird thing. You just do whatever you feel like doing. Yeah. And some people like it sometimes, and some people don't. I mean, don't forget, like, Van Gogh never sold a painting in his entire life. So for his whole life, he's a shitty indie band, not selling any records. I mean, his entire life, not one single painting. So he's a total failure. Well, now we can look at it and say, hey, Van Gogh's pretty good. You know, but at the time, he was like, shit, messy stuff. People didn't like it. You know, they couldn't get in any shows. I mean, it didn't match it's a weird their thing, but it he's didn't just match doing the what he's doing because that's all any of us do. You just kind of... You follow your art where it goes, and you make it. Wow. And sometimes that's going to be something that everybody likes. Most of the time, it's going to be something that nobody cares about. And sometimes it's something that everybody hates. But, like, you know, it just, the truth is we miss most of the great art. Like, for every band that you know that you love, there's five billion bands out there that are great that we've never even heard. Because yeah. most stuff just goes unlistened to. Yeah. You know, if so something like Dylan, I think it's just that what he's interested in doing might not match up with what you want to listen to all the time. And, uh, and, and if you have a whole lifetime with someone, you're bound to have periods where you just are not on the same track. Yeah. I mean, another thing to think about you is... You know, I just think it's, that's natural. I feel like you put out one great song, one great album, one great song, that's more than 99% of the planet is capable of doing. You've done, you, you're a greater artist than 99% of the planet with one song. And Dylan did it. But I don't think that's the case. Yeah. I think that there's a billion great songs out there we just don't even hear most of them. You know, like, because I have friends who play in indie bands, a lot of them, and they are putting out records that are astounding, amazing records. But they're not going to go down like, you know, Highway 61 Revisited, because truth is that most music no one ever even heard, hears. Mm -hmm. It's just really hard to become famous. It just doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Sometimes it's because you're not good enough. Sometimes it's cause, just because you just didn't get heard. And that, I think that happens... To 99% of the, of the music out there, nobody ever hears it. Wow. Wow. He schooled you, Gersh. He, he totally, school he he totally school schooled me. you. you. You were going one way with it, and he took it completely the other way. You were like, you got, there's, there's only a few good songs out there. He's like, no, there's millions. Yeah, it's just we're not hearing them. No, That's we got to do it. We gotta do it. Well, listen, do you remember when we had uh, Tony Danza on? Oh, Abon Danza? Of course I remember. Man, that guy had a lot of great tips on how to age gracefully and if you listen to this next clip, he bel I believe he makes a masturbation reference. Yeah, well, let's take a listen. So I got it. So this is it. I'm vowing right now because of Tony Danza, Vince. Yeah. I'm doing 20 push-ups. How many do you do? Do you like 100 push-ups? Uh, he's doing more than 20. No, no. I, I'm a, you got to train. You got to get oh. up and get a good sweat. You oh. got to get up in the morning and get a good sweat. I was just doing it because I just felt like doing it. I play hockey every week. Is it once a week hockey? That's good. That's, That's good. good, but it's not, it's not directed training. You don't yeah. see... Yeah. You see, let me explain something to you. You, you. you have to, you have to, you have to service each part of your body. Well, I service some of my body. You got to see what happens. It's really kind of freaky. You, you ain't seen nothing yet. So you I got to really work out. 
That's hard. Did you say you're 50? No, I said I'm 51. 51. All right, so you know. You know, you turn 50, a lot of things start happening. Like, for instance, uh, you start playing, you're probably playing, uh, playing the trombone with the newspaper because you gotta, you know, you got to focus on that. Um, Is that know, a masturbation reference? I don't know. With injuries when you're 50. Yeah. You know, you go to bed, you're fine. You wake up, you got a broken leg. Yeah. <laughs> and you go, how did this happen? But it just, you know, or the biggest bruise you've ever seen. You go, <laughs> but that's what happens when you're 50. But wait, wait, <laughs> wait. And I used to say this. You know, you turn 50, you go up to somebody over 50. Mm. You, you get no sympathy. They say, what do you want from me? I got my own problem. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So is it getting worse? Is it going to get worse for me? You seem to be in great shape. You're working out. You stay, but you got to stay in shape. You gotta, mm. That's Vince, the effort. That's gotta what do it. keeps you. The discipline, that's what makes you have some kind of longevity. It's that same discipline that keeps you in shape, keeps you t- trying again. You know, they take another shot. You know, come up with something else. Think of something, you know. We should, turn, the, play. We should turn this show into like a workout show. And not even try to do Brooklyn stuff. Yeah, just talk about like getting on the treadmill. I mean, listen. Any, I mean, the bottom line for me, you know, first of all, I was a fighter, so Mm. I'm always thinking the other guy's training. Yep. You know, it's a tremendous. uh, (laughs) It makes you get up and go, and I I just think it's the most important thing. And if you can keep yourself in shape, then that other stuff you can do. Otherwise, you know, you you don't have your health. I don't care how good you are. It's the building block. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's the I'm foundation, there. Gersh. The foundation. I know. I knew it was true, Tony, and I didn't. Wa- but I didn't want to hear it. That's the problem. <laughs> I didn't want to hear it. Well, listen, it's too bad. You knew it anyway. Yeah, I know. I got to tell you. I mean, it said you got to have your health, and you know that's like a cliche. But it's a cliche because it's true, Vince. It is, without question. Now, the best part was Danza wasn't through then. He went on and had some great insights into our incoming president, Donald Trump. Yeah, this is the thing I remember most about the interview. He said, when you scorch the earth, you scorch the earth. Let's take a listen. I'm not a Trump supporter. Okay. Um, I I don't know. I I, kind of feel like I'm hallucinating when I hear people trying to twist themselves into into a pretzel trying to normalize this guy. Mm Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, I, you know, listen, he, he's the president. Uh, they, you know, we voted for him, and, uh, and now we hope for the best. Uh, I, uh, you, you know, I think, I think anybody who's, um, you know, awake <laughs> has to be a little un- unnerved by what's going on because it's a very different kind of, uh, of transition already and a very different kind of campaign, you know, I mean, you know, you, you know. You, I, I heard a guy, Conrad Black, here the other day on on the TV saying, "Oh, he's not a misogynist. He's not a racist. He walked all that stuff back." Well, you know, when you scorch the earth, you play scorched earth. You leave scorched earth. Right. And so there's going to be some healing that has to be done. But how, where does that? Where do you think that's, that's right. going to come from? I and mean, he has modulated his tone a bit. But what? You know, where does it come from? Well, first of all, I'm not sure he modulated his tone. I think this normalization of the behavior is really a big mistake. Mm-hmm. But what what do you mean, where did it come from? No, I'm saying, where is the healing going to come from? Oh, I don't know. It's up to him. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem, and that's what worries me. I mean, you know, you, 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 uh, we take, in his case, we're, we're, we're all thrilled he modulated his tone. <laughs> yeah. He's almost normal. He's almost I mean, normal. I, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm concerned. But having said that, I'm, I'm resigned. Wow. That caught me off guard. I did yeah. not expect yeah. that from Tony Danza. 
Well, no. I mean, Dan's is honest. You scorch the earth, you scorch the earth. I guess so. I guess so. Well, listen, Kirsch, you've had some problems with the ladies this year. Right? <laughs> that's an understatement. <laughs> Thank you. So that's why it was so good to have Andrew Dice Clay on the show, and he gave you some tips, right? Well, look, with Andrew Dice Clay, you know he's never just going to give you just the tip. You're going to get many three, five, six practical tips about women. On our clip, I think he gives us three. Well, here's tip number one. They're all crazy. Let's Let's take a listen. Whenever you're with a girl, every girl is different in uh. their likes and dislikes and the fact. So you got to learn the woman. They're, they're not as base as men. They're more complicated oh, when it comes to sexual stuff. It sounds like you're becoming like a mature individual. I can't handle this dice. No, I was, I was like that. Let me tell you something. When I was 20, I was going with girls that were 40. Nice. So I would learn how to operate them. You know what I mean? I didn't want to go through life not knowing what feels right or wrong when you're banging into somebody like a freight train. That's okay. It. So give us your three, all the stuff you've learned, because now I don't want to say it, but you're obviously over 50. What have you learned? Give me three practical tips that a guy like me, a guy like Vince, and you're also on the air with James Hook, who is ironing our shirts right now, long story short. <laughs> three tips. What'd you learn? Well, they're all crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're born crazy, and as they get older, they get crazier. Okay. You know, that's one thing. You know, so as far as women, never never try to figure out what they're, what they're thinking. You know, when a guy looks at his chick and goes, hey, I know what you're thinking, we're normally always wrong. Yeah, always wrong. Always wrong. You know, and don't ever forget... You know, the right things on the holidays, you know, the flowers on Valentine's Day with the chocolates. Um, you got to deliver or she ain't going to deliver. Interesting. Yeah, you got to charm them. You got to buy them coffee. I've been saying that you for years. To. All but, right. But, and, and if you're not with someone you like, end it. Ah. A lot of guys go through their whole life married and miserable. That's how the, the fucking uh, midlife crisis yep. shit starts. Yep guy doing the same job since he's 22 years old it's 40 he's married 18 years he's gonna bang somebody wow. it's just gonna happen it was kind of the opposite with me and my wife because she kind of left me well you know what they pull that shit too i was yeah. happy about it i was happy about it yeah, how long were you married 14 years 14 years yeah that's the seven year rich times too yeah, she got the seven year rich times too no you know what it is she let you walk the hook uh, yeah, well, she definitely did. There's no question about it. You know what I mean? Because when, when they, uh, you know, when they feel like the grass is greener on the other side, it, it normally isn't once they leave. Yeah, and in my case, you know the ass I mean? is cleaner on the other side. Yeah, well, <laughs> I just thought I'd throw no, that in there. I'm, I'm just telling you, relationships are strange, man. I tell you, Dice, he's a friend of the paper. And we've known him a long time, and it was, it's just great to have him on and have him talk to you and give you advice. Did you use any of that advice, Gersh? No, I mean, I, I definitely shower more, which he recommended. Yeah. No, the thing about Dice that you got to love is he, he's not joking around with us. Like, I think he actually believes you treat a woman nice, you're going to get laid. And that's probably been true, I mean, forever. It could. And I think what I forget, and this is why we're going to talk later about our New, New Year's resolutions, I'm mm-hmm. trying to banish inhibition and guilt from my life. And I think if you do that... You can y- your natural gershiness in your case, vinciness comes yeah. out, and I and I needed Dice to show me the way. You really did. But do you remember uh, when Dice basically said that he's a better father than you? Oh, but he is a bit better father than me. As big a scumbag as he professes to be in his comedy, he is a better father than me 
be normal. normal. He basically set aside his career for his kids, and he told us all about it. I want to ask you a question about who you are, because I know you're a, you're a father. Yeah. And a periodic topic on our show, and not because I keep bringing it up every week, is what a bad father I am. So how do you, are you a good father? Um, people say I'm one of the best. Well, there you go. So then how do you do it? Because I can't well, handle well, it. I'm so uh, bad. Well, well, the thing is, you know, when, when I did go through the divorce with my kid's mom, you know, I, you know, but the career wasn't in that bad of a shape. I mean, I wasn't doing arenas anymore, but, you know, I could still do like 3,000 seaters, 2,000 seaters, which for another comic is superstardom. Yeah, but when when I started doing those, it was like this guy's over, you know, where it would be the peak mm-hmm. for any comic coming up through the ranks. But because I was doing twenty thousand seats a night around the country, uh, he's over. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really care about the career when I went through the divorce. It was more about bringing up my sons and being there for them, you know. And and I was. That's it. I I love to this day, you know. You know, they're my, you know, they're the best guys I know. I mean, with how old are your boys now, guys? Like Twenty-one and twenty-five, and um, they actually have the band Still Rebel, mm-hmm. and they just got booked to open Ozfest, nice wow. final Ozfest with Black Sabbath ever. So, you know, I'm going through a lot with them because uh, Sharon Osbourne called me, said they got to open the show. You know, mm-hmm. she's, you know. Uh, I, I hear she's single, by the way, like, guys. Yeah, well, you know, she's going through whatever. I didn't talk to her about that. She just, you know, got in touch with me about this. And, you know, so it's, a, you know, but but I feel a lot of what they're doing is because I was there to encourage them, nurture them, mm-hmm. be with them, talk to them. They know they could come to me with any problem from, you know, whatever it might be. It could wow. be sexual. It could be... Uh, you know, about that band. It could be about anything. We're, we spend all the time together. I, I wish I was that good at that. No. that. That's what it's about. I'm I know, but it's, it's hard to like do that. it, Dice. It's hard. Well, what's your problem? Because I got a career. I, I can't put things on hold. I'm producing Murder at the Food Co-op at the Fringe Festival. I got a guy ironing my shirts. I'm doing a radio show. Where, where's it? What? Where? No, but, but how? Number one, how old are they now? How many you got? Four, I don't know Fourteen and eight. Fourteen and eight. Okay. It's so tough. Boys, girls. Girl, the girl's the older one. Okay. So the eight-year-old's the boy. So what's the problem? You know, they just need me too much. Okay, they love me. I I think you're fucking with me. No, no I'm not. I'm he, totally he not. He talks you know. about it every week, guys. <laughs> every, every week, week guys. he talks well, about how he's let, a bad let, father. Let me tell you something. If you don't put in the time, yeah. like the way I put it is like, you know, let's say I wasn't having, you know, any career problems, okay, when I went through divorce. Let's say I just went movie to movie to movie, you know, and I wasn't really there, you know. At, at their ages now, they won't even look at me. Yeah, I know. I feel they were like, where were you when we were kids? Mm-hmm. You know, wow. when we really needed to talk to you about shit. Right. You're cutting through yeah. me like a knife right now. My biggest, no. my biggest problem with the kid is obviously the common core. And then making that decision, all right, we're going to go see Dice at, in Coney Island. Can I bring my nine-year-old? Dice, what would you do in this situation? you bring your nine-year-old to your show? Yes or no? Uh, no. Oh, there you go. There you go. Wow. I did not take my kid, for the record, did not take my son to see Dice based on his uh, information. I thought, that was, I thought that was very strong advice. Uh, well, first of all, Vince, you're a great father. And obviously, I've always said handsome man. Thank you. 
But I, Dice, Andrew Dice Clay, in, in, like I said, he's got a scumbag persona, but a g- great guy. And he's been on the show a million times. He's a friend of the paper, so I love him. Oh, no, he's, Thank he, you, Dice. Thank you, Dice. <laughs> he, he, was, he was awesome. But, uh, you know, there were a few shows this year. Uh, that we did when you were producing and starring in Murder at the Food Co-op. Do you remember that? Well, Murder at the Food Co-op, my hit show at the Fringe Festival, right? The one that I wrote, produced, starred in, and and promoted. Did anyone ever pick that up? No, nobody picked it up. But well, we yes. tried to do the show without you. You what? did a couple of shows without me, but it didn't really go the way you planned, no, did it? we were right. planning on doing it. Let's have a listen to one of those shows, Jimmy. Hey, that's the noise you hear. That's the smooth sounds of the new Brooklyn paper radio. I'm Vince DiMaselli. Gersh Kuntzman, once again on sabbatical. We, we tried to do this last week. didn't quite work out. But joining me again is Max Yeager, deputy editor here at the Brooklyn Paper. Max, how's it going today? Fantastic, Vinny. How are you doing? Well, you know me. We're trying to do it a little bit differently. I want to keep it a little mellow. I'll tell you what. It feels fresh in here. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's a little... little it's, it's kind of fresh airy. It's kind of fresh airy. It's really, really lots and lots of fun. So... Hey, I once again noticed you have a banjo. I do. This time I'm feeling like I'm, I'm going to get through a song. Let's see what we can put together here. What do you plan on playing for us today to start the show? It's called Big Eyed Rabbit. Big Eyed Rabbit. Huh. Seems like we had some Big Eyed Rabbits in Brooklyn once before, maybe in a time long ago. Not so sure about it now. Maybe the rabbits these days are small-eyed. I'll let you. I'll let Max play. You can try it again. I can't believe this. I leave for one week and suddenly the show becomes some sort of granola freak fest. Uh, Gersh, what are you doing here? Look, I couldn't stay away because, first of all, I'm producing Murder at the Food Co-op at the Fringe Festival. I know, and I thought you were working on that. I'm I'm trying to do a show here with Max. No, you're trying to ruin a great franchise called Brooklyn Paper Radio. I need some coffee. Yeah, the good news is, Max, I love you. But that persona, that banjo playing persona, let's hear the real Max Yeager. All right, Gersh, I'm here. Well, it's great well, to see you, you, Max. Happy? It's great to see you. And, of course, Vince, as you know, handsome man. No, I, I, as usual. Are we going to play the mu- Are you going to play an intro? Play the music, please, Johnny. Yeah, that was that was the we we got back to the real Brooklyn Paper Radio when I came in back from rehearsal at Murder of the uh, Food Court. You know what it is? It's a tribute to Johnny because Johnny was able to to put all that together quickly. Once he saw you come in, I'm sure he had to shuffle the uh, the control board. Sure, and yeah, make yeah. All that you stuff sh- work. It was a mutiny, is what it was. Yeah. Anyway, well, that was a great segment. I'm glad Max Yeager. Thank you for filling in for me those weeks when I was doing the award-winning Murder at the Food Court at the Fringe Festival. Did anybody pick that up? Nobody picked it up. Not yet. Broadway, a couple of years. Thank you, Johnny. So listen, Vince. I know I love Mel Brooks and I know you love Mel Brooks, too. Yeah, and of course, there's no reason why Mel, who, as you know, is not getting any younger, uh, won't take up our offer to write his own obituary in his hometown newspaper, The Brooklyn Paper. So we made the offer. Let's have a listen there, Johnny. A lot of times, I wa- I'm trying to help our listeners. I'm Always. Help, you know, I'm trying to help everybody. And the one person that I want to help more than anything is Mel Brooks. Oh, b- legendary son of Brooklyn. You know, I love all his movies. I've seen them all growing up. History of the World, Part 1, High Anxiety. Ooh-ziety. You know, all those stuff. And well, Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles. Frankenstein. Even Spaceballs. I, I did like Spaceballs. Pizza I didn't the Hutt. love it. Pizza the Hut. Pizza the Hut. I didn't like Men in Tights. 
Robin Hood Men in Tights? Yeah, I didn't like it. Well, I liked it. I liked no, it. I think at the end there was an exciting ending, but I, I forget. Anyway, right. great filmmaker. Going to go down in history. Yeah, long story. Yeah, he's going to go down in history, but who is he going to leave his legacy to? You don't want to leave it to an obituary writer. Of course not. So I wrote this open letter to Mel Brooks, and he hasn't gotten back to me. I'm not sure why. Well, it's open letter. It's an open letter, but no, it was sent to him. And well, he let's let's make it more open by putting it on the radio. Let's read it to him. Go ahead. Okay. Mel Brooks, if you're out there, this one's for you. Dear Mr. Brooks. As but just FYI, yes. he's actually reading this. This is an actual letter on CNG stationery signed by Vince DiMasselli, yeah, editor Courier Life. So read that letter. There you go, yeah. As you know, you are a legend, and nowhere is that legendary legendariness more appreciated than here in your hometown of Brooklyn. And more specifically, by me, Vince DiMasselli, the editor of the Brooklyn paper. Of course, time waits for no man, and once he is gone... His reputation is left in the hands of some of the most inept wordsmiths ever to pick up a pencil. Obituary writers. I mean, present company excluded, of course. Of course. Mel, I run a newspaper, and I can tell you that the people we put in charge of the obituary page are usually interns with little writing experience and, on some occasions, those that speak only Spanish. Which is great if you're writing like uh, Julio Cesar Romero's obit. Yeah, that would Not be. great for Mel Brooks. Though. No, no. Are these the people you want to leave in charge of your legacy? I think not. That's why I would like to offer you the opportunity to write your own obituary that I will print unedited. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Unedited? Yeah, It's unedited. got a little stuff. What's that little asterisk? We'll get to that. We'll okay. get to that. In your hometown newspaper, Mel Brooks is from Brooklyn. He is. Williamsburg. For all your fans to read, clip out, and put on the refrigerator. I mean, that's what I do in obit. My mother still does that. You know what I found out over the weekend? No, what'd you find? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'm reading uh, the obituaries in the Staten Island Advance, which are uh, my bus driver from uh, from uh, from high school. You remember your bus driver's name? Yeah, yeah. You're a sick. You. He was a handsome you're a man. Sick person. He was a handsome man, and he's dead. My mother still sends me clippings. Like if there's a recipe to lower your blood sugar, she sends it to me, and I'm supposed to put it on my fridge. Well, you gotta do what you gotta do. Listen, here's what it comes down to: Who better to tell the story of Mel Brooks than Mel Brooks himself? Nobody. All I ask is that you keep it to our standard word count of about 350 and send it along with a dated picture of yourself suitable for printing alongside an open. What do you mean by dated? I don't get that. No, I mean like dated, like I, like Mel Brooks in 1957. Oh, Here the, is oh, the swashbuckling Mel Brooks. Yeah, your like, show of shows, Mel good-looking Mel Brooks. Uh, he was awesome. What about like Mel Brooks 1990? That's like the producer's Mel Brooks. That's no, like, like, like Life Stinks Mel Brooks. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a better movie than you think. Well, some say. Normally... That's not, I don't want to be or not to be Mel Brooks. Oh, that's a great movie. Are you People kidding love me? That movie. Oh, that movie is probably his best movie. I went to see it with my cousin Brad. I was like teenage, early teens, and uh, we walked out. No, well, you guys are unsophisticated. We didn't, we, we didn't Youth is wasted on the young, yeah, Mel. It really is. Listen, Mel, normally we pay anywhere from $35 to $90 for such a piece, but for someone of your stature, I'm willing to go to $99. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You'll also have to fill out the uh, proper paperwork. Oh, of course. And the W-9 form that will set you up as a freelance writer for us. And you got to bill us within 30 days of publication to receive payment. That's a publication. Not when you send it. It's from publication. So this would be after he's dead. Possibly. Which usually takes about 60 days to be delivered because there is there's some time involved. Well, that's good. That's good. He'll get the money. He won't get to use it, but he'll get the money. Oh, you got to get it. I'm a man of my word. It'll become part of his estate. So I'm just going to end it by saying I thank you for your time, Mel Brooks. And I hope you choose to take advantage of this 
once in a lifetime opportunity. It's signed sincerely, Vince. And what was that asterisk? You said it would be unedited. Well, no, actually, it says it, the asterisk says it may be edited. In fact, it probably will be. Haven't heard back from Mel. That, I, that's surprising to me because, as you know, Vince, I've written my own obit. Yeah. Which I intend you to run not over one page or two, like a four-page spread in the middle. I have it on file, and I'm willing to do that if, if need be. You want but me to read you the lead? Go, uh, just say it. Gersh Kuntzman, a giant of community news and tabloid journalism, has died. That's right. That's the lead. That's good. Straightforward. That's right. yeah. Straightforward. No. Kuntzman's life was not without its tragedies, however. <laughs> no, it's a whole no, no, right. no puns at all. But Ger- but. Uh, Gersh. Brooks, Gersh is my name. Yeah. I'm talking Thank to you. Gersh, but the fact of the matter is, and I like to say that when I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's your, the that's fact your the, thing. Yeah. The fact of the matter is we also chatted with filmmaker Michael Moore. Legend. When his movie, Where to Invade Next, came out. Now, the movie focused on all those great ideas around the world that Moore hopes America will steal back to improve life in these United States. So this clip is about Moore's view of capitalism. It's freaky stuff, so let's take a listen. You're making actually a good point that they have these wonderful worker benefits, which is a great thing. We'd love to bring that back. And you talk to the factory owner, for example, and he has no problem giving it to his workers because they're happier workers, they're healthier workers. But at the same time, could could you bring an idea like that to America across the board? Would it work or is there some problem with us as people and as and as employers? Is that could you bring that idea back? Well, I think we could. Yes. I mean, there is a problem with us. And then part of the problem is that um, our capitalism system, our system of capitalism, is a fear-based system. It's based on uh, the fear of, of, of being broke. Uh, the majority of Americans, I believe, now live from paycheck to paycheck. For the first time ever this month, uh, the, in the sense World War II, I believe that the majority of Americans are no longer considered middle class. So it's, it's, uh, it, it would be hard to do. People would have to be not afraid and um, but employers would soon see that productivity would go up. People, happier workers, make for a more productive uh, environment. Uh, and uh, yes, I think it definitely it definitely could work. We should at least there should at least be four weeks paid vacation for everybody who has a job. Well, you know, it's funny. I have four weeks paid vacation, and I don't even use all of it. And and a vast majority of Americans don't use all their vacation days. So have we met the enemy, and it is us. Well, why? No, let's ask ourselves that. Why? Yes. Why is it though that, that that's a very that's a very true fact that you just gave? Why don't we take the vacation days off to us? Is it because we're afraid that the boss won't look at us uh, properly or nicely? Because you know we're taking this time off and then we're, we're going to do better if we show we're a more committed worker? Or maybe it's uh, we're married to the wrong person and, and you're thinking you know four weeks off. Uh, I don't know how we're going to get along. Um, I mean, there could be a lot of reasons why we'd rather work. I think most people are just afraid to lose their job. I yeah. think that's it. I think that's it. And I think it's because um, the way things are priced here. I mean, over there, we, we, we kept asking, does anybody have a second job? Nobody has a second job. Yeah. We went to a pencil factory in Germany. They're just making pencils there. They, but they make enough money where they do not need a second job. Wait, who's, make, who's using pencils? Exactly. <laughs> that's what I said to them. They said they had their biggest year last year. Now, the, the, Michael Moore, i got to say, he's been on the show once. I interviewed him a couple of times last year with different movies. He's one of those guys. He's liberal to the core. He's, he's still to the right of me because I'm to the left of Trotsky. But he's one of those guys who the right wing demonizes him like he's the devil incarnate. I must have said the wrong word because I've been drinking amaretto. Incarnate. Yes. You meet him. 
sweetheart, like a sweetheart bear of a man, you probably, end up hugging him. But it's him. probably the same thing with like Bill O'Reilly. It probably is the same thing with Bill O'Reilly. Anyway, so that was Michael Moore. Great clip. Enjoyed that, Johnny. Yeah, no, he was good to have on. But you know who I really love this year? Who? New York One superstar Pat Kiernan. He is a longtime friend of the paper. And, and of papers in general. That's right. So he came on the show, and we asked him the tough questions about our business. Well, I believe I asked him the tough questions, so let's listen. Pat, I'm turning to you. Uh-oh. You Uh-oh. read every newspaper. Thank you're God. in the I paper. You're in the paper oh, this, segment. This is okay. Go. It's going to get tough. Yeah. The in the paper segment, above all the great work you do, is like such a trademark for you. So you read all these papers. Now I'm in the newspaper business, as you know. I work for the Daily News. Before that, the Brooklyn paper. Before that, the New York Post. I've heard of those? What is happening to the newspaper industry, Pat? Well, you see it every day. Our newspaper's dead. Mm, there it is. There it is. I asked it. It's a tough question. That's a great question. Gersh, you know the answer to this. Newspapers are in trouble because people are reading in other places and the revenue that you get from the same reader in a digital form just doesn't seem to match up to what they've been getting for that same reader. Okay, but I didn't, I didn't bring in Milton Friedman to tell me the economics. I'm talking about you as an opinion. Well, what do you mean? I still believe a majority of the good original reporting done in this city is done for print. That's that, right. that broadcast follows print mm. far more than print follows broadcast. That We're not even watching you, by the way. No, I'm kidding. Come on, Pat. Whatever. I'm kidding. Whatever. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not even going to say what channel was on in the break room here we, before we I came in. We were both wondering that, about that. That, that I had to change to New York One. So I had to seize the remote. It was bad. And Fox News it. Channel we was gotta on. Get, I, I told the... I told, I told our... Uh, Office manager to take care of that. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. Yeah, we were going to put New York one on. That's, I'm sorry, Pat. That was really rude of us. <laughs> uh, no, so you know, community board meetings and and neighborhood events and all these things that that you need to have eyes at that you right. can't cover on the phone. You can't cover with a press release. You can't. Uh, uh, Vince is pulling out a. Can we a get that up on the, the air there, the Park Johnny? Park Slope Courier. Front page, tomorrow's edition. Uh, here we are, Park Slopers ban upscale markets from the key food site. Now, who else is going to cover that story? Nobody. Right. Well, no, but but it will be covered. It'll be mentioned by somebody tweeting. It'll be mentioned by something blogging. Like, like the, this entire ecosystem we have is still based on somebody doing the original reporting. And if the newspaper business model isn't worked to doing the original reporting, who's doing it? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You, know you know what it is with the newspaper? We don't put out a newspaper because it's good. We put out a newspaper because it's as, Thursday. As, <laughs> yeah, because it's Thursday, as Lauren Michaels says. You know? Sometimes <laughs> sometimes the, the front page, the wood, we call it, is not great. But anyway, no, but, but Pat, you're looking one. at some of these papers, yeah. and you like the bespoke quality of a newspaper, right? I know when you're flipping through in the papers, I see you. You're looking at it and saying, ah, oh, something about a paper. Oh, absolutely. If I if I got to spend 15 minutes with a website published by the same newspaper or 15 minutes with the print edition, absolutely prefer the print edition. And that's... Editors do good things with print. There you go. The, you know. uh, the editors do good things on paper. They tell you by how big the headline is, by where it is on the page, by whether there's a photo, by whether there's graphics with it. All of those things as a reader allow you to read a newspaper efficiently. On the web, it's all very flat. I am I am so happy to hear that because it's he's not paid to say that. No, and because that's what we do. We actually sit down and when we're putting together the newspaper, when we're making the sausage, 
as they say. It's delicious sausage. Of course. You know, we think about these things, and it's all, it's all about when you're doing the layout, guiding the eye and saying, all right, w- what am I going to read first? What am I going to look at first? And I hate to look at newspapers that don't, like, when they're putting together photos, say, all right, this is the photo that you really need to look at. This is the photo that's mm-hmm. kind of secondary. And they make everything the same size. And, you know, you look at a lot of other local newspapers. I'm not going to name names. And Vince you, and has you see stuff like that. But we really take a lot of pride in the layout and what we do and in headlines like uh, this one on the cover of the Bay Ridge Courier last week. Apartment number two, homeless living in Shore Road Park's restroom. Yeah, he's living in the restroom, apartment number two. You can't beat I, that, Pat. I, I Did you get the pun? I got the number two Sh- thing. Thank you, Gert. Sharon, you got the pun, right? Apartment Wait, number two. I wasn't two. paying attention. I was oh, really? Oh, it's great. She's on the radio show. She's not paying attention. I was reading the paper. Sorry. Now, you know what the original headline to that was? We couldn't use it. It's, it's simple. Go for it. See if you can do it. So you can can What's the pun that would work, uh, but you can't use it? You can't use it. Big one word. Compound word. All right, I gotta give it to you. Okay. Shit house. Ha! <laughs> oh, you can't do that. Can't do you it. can't do can't that. Do you can do it on a podcast, and Sharon could do it in a poem, but Pat can't even hear words like that. That's right. Pat, Pat Kiernan is a great friend of the paper, but he is a subtle Canadian. Like you, you, you heard the dry rye, mm-hmm. dry. Mm-hmm. Corned beef on rye right there. Well, mm-hmm. we were lucky enough to have Italian singer Patrizio Buono, yes. all the way in from Napoli, who taught us the kind of thing Pat Kiernan can't tell you. He taught us the valuable lesson of love. Yeah, I believe, like you, Gersh, he sees the face of God in an orgasm, no? No, I mean, we all do, Vince. We all do. Let's listen to Patrizio Buono. I don't believe in God, but if there is a God, he ex- or she expresses him or herself through sexual activity. You know what? I don't. Uh, <laughs> I agree with you. There you I, go. B- it's when you look in somebody's eyes and you feel love. That's when you feel God. That's when right. You see God. That's right. God is love. God is an energy. I know, but that. But so that's where I think, as much as I like the Pope, that's where they miss the boat. They take the sex out of love and spirituality. They do, right? Yeah, but you know. you said before <laughs> when you advertised the uh, the teeth and whatnot that you were about fifty. Fifty one, my friend. Okay, good. Fifty one. I'm thirty eight, and you are. 45. Okay. Everybody in this room is handsome. Okay. So, we're talking about a certain age that we enjoy good wine, a good steak, have nice teeth, go and see a good show, you know, and this and that. So, that's why for us, sex is not just ha-ha, it's just hoo-hoo, it's more, it's deep, it's passionate, it's... No, it's no, it's way sex. <laughs> no, no, it's the 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 the, the, the soundtrack of Patrizio Buone. You need it. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. No but when you're twenty, it's totally different. It's more like sport. Oh, I see what you get. No, well, that's fine. It's the sexual experience deepens with age. But my point is, like, I like see a fine wine. I see the face of God in an orgasm. I see the face of God in an orgasm. Say it. <laughs> and what do you think about that? I see the face of God. In an orgasm, I just said it. There you go. So yeah, you go. that's how it, that's how we are. And who wants to see my face? No, no, well, I want to see your O face. face. No, I don't want to see your O face. The Why point don't is, they send us a message? <laughs> no, but there is Patricio. In all seriousness, there is a song that you have in your heart right now that you're going to share with us. <clears throat> that's about that feeling, that that carnal love. Give me, give me a song. Give me a song. What do you got about carnal love? Well, I recorded a song called "This Kiss Tonight." There you go. Go. Well, I guess we cut him off. Yeah, I would have. I would have loved to hear that song. <laughs> well, we heard it once before. Yeah, I guess he was good. But you know, honestly, that was nothing. But Patrizio Buono was that nothing. Was, it was great, but it was nothing 
compared to when uh, Star Wars Force Awakened opened, and we landed the big interview. Oh, yeah. Look, I remember that. Everybody was trying to get Harrison Ford or the then-alive Carrie Fisher, yes. but we wanted the real star. And we got him. We, we always got did. him. We always do. Who'd we get? R2-D2 himself, by phone from Tatooine. Let's listen to this one. Let's welcome R2-D2 to Brooklyn Paper Radio, all the way by subspace hookup from Tatooine. We hope we get a clear connection on the scrambled signal there, Jimmy. Welcome, R2-D2. Wow, that is nice of you to say, R2-D2, but it's a greater honor for us. I mean, you're a legend. You were in all six of the Star Wars movies, after all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the prequels don't count, especially that part in episode two where you could fly. I mean, what was George Lucas thinking? Hmm, That bad, huh? Was it uh, Quaaludes or LSD? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not completely condemn hallucinogenic drugs. I mean, how else could someone have come up with the Star Wars bar scene in the first place? But R2... Wait, do you mind if I call you R2? No, okay, I understand. Mr. D2. Anyway, I was going to ask if you could tell us anything about the new movie, The Force Awakens. What was it like being back on the set with Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, and Mark Hamill? Really? You, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher? It sounds hot. Oh, oh, I get it. It was you, Harrison Ford, and Mark Hamill. I hear the force is strong in that one. Yeah, well, that can happen to any middle-aged man, Mr. D2. Present company excluded, of course. You better believe it was present company excluded. R2-D2 was a great guest because he spoke truth to power, and when I say power, I mean Vince DiMaselli. Vince, you asked him the tough questions, and he responded in, in honest candor. He was not afraid, Gersh. He was not afraid. Now, speaking of honesty, this was my favorite interview of the year. Now, we talked to guitar legend Carlos Santana. This was a, our, it was our first big one, right? It was our first big one. It was yeah. an early show. He didn't even know why he was on the radio with no, us, and frankly, no. we didn't either. No. He had a new album out. We had some technical difficulties, so it's a very short clip. But I want you to hear about this. You have to listen to what he says about the smoking hot woman who posed naked for the cover of his album, Abraxas. Yeah, John, you got to put up put up that picture if you can. Put that up, All right. And now let's listen to the clip closely. But when you talk about an inclusive America, you know, I think about, well, your album covers. I think about your music. Uh, it's always been about beauty. It's always been about, you know, white people, black people, Native Americans, everybody together. i got to ask, though, whatever happened to that woman from the cover of Abraxas? You know who I'm talking about. Do you, do you ever keep in touch with her? Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm really doing her right now. Oh, yeah, All right, that was... I mean, so basically, he she posed for the album cover, and he married her. That's what you got to... That's, that's the reason you get into the business. Girl. When I was a teenager, I used to stare at that album cover for hours. Not always hours, often just a couple of minutes. Was well, all sh- it took. The shocking thing about that is I barely knew who uh, Carlos Santana was. I only knew him from the... Uh, from the, the the guy the guy from the nineties. Anyway, listen, we're not going to say it's a hot one. That guy as uh, the guy from Matchbox Twenty. Yeah, him. Smooth. So Gersh, listen. Yeah, you and I were lucky enough to witness the only triple play in the history of the Brooklyn Cyclones. Oh, the Brooklyn Cyclones are our beloved minor league team. I was lucky enough to have you right there next to me, providing invaluable color commentary. So let's listen to Gersh's immortal call, which we. Subsequently sent to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Runners on first and second. No out, and the Cyclones are clinging to a 3-2 to two lead. Justin Dunn, the Cyclones fireballer, is looking at nine miles of bad road, Vince. Yeah, there's no doubt they're in a bit of a pickle here. Well, he's going to be pitching from the stretch to Aberdeen, Jim Haley. And here comes the pitch. Oh, the runners go! 
Haley squares the bump, but he pops it up to catcher Dan Rizzi, and Dan Rizzi fires to Colby Woodmansey for the second out, and Woodmansey fires to Sergeikis at first. That's a triple play event, the first ever in Cyclone history. I've been doing this a long time, Gersh. I've never seen one in person, but there it is. It happened right before our eyes. He popped the bunt up. It was caught by the catcher, thrown around the infield as quickly as you can say it, and it happened. The Cyclones have their first triple play. And if you're scoring at home, that's two to six to three a triple play. Making history tonight at Coney Island's Keyspan MCU Cyclone Park. Well, that was, in fact, history. You know, Vince, wow. you do a good job when you go into that other radio voice. I, that's a certain voice that I've worked on for many years. I only do during baseball games. A triple play. Anyway, it was very exciting to see it live like that. It was incredible, Gersh, and as always, a pleasure to be sitting there with you watching the, the, the history happened right right before us. The only thing that could have made it better would be a nice cold beer, but you're not allowed to drink in the press box. That is so it's ridiculous. so ridiculous. Listen, uh, Greg Nettles once said, it was either Nettles or, or Rich Gossage, one or the other, they got to put beer back in the press box where it belongs. I, I've always said that. Well, listen, if you're tuning in right now, thank you for that broadcast, by the way, Vince. If you're tuning in right now or you just have to be a hot woman on Tinder uh, and you're listening to the show, this is our 2016 Best of episode. We've already heard clips from Michael Moore. Mm-hmm. We've heard clips from Carlos Santana, yep. Adam Durwitz, Tony Danza, Cody, Danza, Abone Danza, yep. and of course, uh, um, Andrew Dice Clay. The Dice Man. It's all going to be on brooklynpaper.com later today and all through the rest of the year. And we're doing it commercial free. Completely commercial free. So I would not say to Vince, because we're doing commercial free, that he should go to Dr. Joseph Lichter, a state-of-the-art dentist who's got the highest technology, the best hygienist, the cleanest office, yet the lowest prices. How does he do it? Because he's Dr. Joseph Lichter. He's got state-of-the-art. Did I say state-of-the-art? That's what I've, I've heard that. Invisalign. You ever had that Invisalign? I would love to. But you don't need it. But mm. if you needed it, it's $5,000 in Brooklyn Heights. Lichter will give it to you for 4000 Even if I don't need it, I just do it. Okay, you're right. For that, anyway, that price. So if you can hear the sound of my voice, if this was a commercial episode right. of Brooklyn Paper Radio, I would say call Dr. Joseph Lichter's office today at 718-339-7878. You can set up an appointment at his office at 1420 Avenue P in Midwood, or you can go online, Joseph Lichter. DDS.com. And I wouldn't tell you, Gersh, that Atlas Steakhouse offers a unique dining experience unless I meant it. Like no, from my heart. No, yeah, I would not. It's not a commercial. No, it's not. Because we've eaten there. We did, and when we went, the first thing we did was we we, cho- we chose our steak, and every cut there is aged to tender perfection on site. Then we paired it with a vintage from their extensive wine list, uh, and I believe we also had a cocktail. So I we, had a we godfather. Did, we did a little mix and match there. Then mm, we enjoyed mm, those succulent mm. appetizers, you know, as their master chef was uh, crafting our choice cut. The way we desired it, I wanted it medium rare. I believe you went. How'd you go? I go medium rare. You did. Oh, we did it the same way. That's right. And we enjoyed the uh, the main course, and that's when we immediately understood why Atlas Steakhouse always offers you a cut above the rest. We did that over at Atlas Steakhouse at 943 Coney Island Avenue. You can visit them online at atlassteak.com if you want to, if you, you so choose. No, because you wouldn't. It's, it's, it's a commercial-free episode. Right. All right, so... If I was doing the normal commercial, I would tell you about Village Care Max. You At know, this point, that's usually what we do. Yeah, because I'm I'm not getting any younger, though. No. If you are listening out there, uh, I'm not old, and mm. I'm very vibrant. But with Village Care Max, you stay vibrant because it's a Medicaid-managed care program. They work with your doctors, with a team of professionals that keep you in your home. Now, I don't need to know about this kind of thing because I'm 51 and as vibrant as a 25-year-old. Mm-hmm. But if I did, if I was more like Vince, a handsome man who's aging, <laughs> yes. I would call Rapidly. Village Care Max at 
469-6292, or just visit them online, villagecaremax.org, because their slogan is Village Care Max for the life you want to live. Yeah, I'm probably aging because I'm, I'm not out there playing the field, Gersh. Well, look, I wouldn't say I'm playing the field. I've, I, and as we're going to get to the next few segments about my relationships, uh, it's been an up and down year. But yeah, yeah. before we get to that, my, one of my favorite segments on the 2016 Brooklyn Paper Radio broadcast was the time your son called in. Because your son, Vince, Vince Jr., hates what you're doing here. Gersh, that is not fair. No, we're going to let the listeners decide. Because here's Vince's son, Vince Jr., calling into the show to critique the paper's new logo, which features Brooklyn as the only landmass on the globe. Yeah, it goes on from there. The kid is one of the savviest media commentators since Edward R. Murrow. Let's listen there, Johnny. I don't think the Brooklyn paper logo should be like a joke. I think the logo should be like, just go back to what it used to be. Why, just slow it down for a second. Just for our listeners who maybe haven't seen the logo, what's, what is the logo that you're talking about? It makes the Brooklyn look like a continent. Oh, the, the one where Brooklyn is on the globe and there's nothing else on the globe. Yeah, it's a, it says your world, your news. Yeah, your oh. world. So what bothers you about that? Well, it's a joke. Wow. So, like... <laughs> He's literally saying, Vince, you're a freaking joke. That, am I here to amuse you? He's saying, is it, now, but aren't there some things in the newspaper that are funny, and isn't there a, a place yes. for that in news? Yes. Yes, there is. But it's a newspaper. Like, it's giving you real news. Like, so it's not like the funny newspaper. It's like the onion and things. Wow, he's really, I got to thank you for this because it's really bringing it out to light. I had no idea there was so much hostility in the community against the Brooklyn Paper logo. <laughs> now you take it back to the old logo, which was what? It was BP. And I know that my father is against acronyms. Yes, he is. Yes. Good, I've learned good that, use of the word acronym. I l- I've learned that from, from someone. But So maybe it could just be uh, Brooklyn Paper in like small letters like... Yeah. That's the really small letters. You know, the problem I have with BP is it could mean a thousand different things. Yeah. It British, could mean British, British petroleum. petroleum. Yeah, British petroleum. But. Wow. All right. Well, that kid. I got to tell you something, Vince. I love that kid. He's a great boy. Uh, but he's like, a, he's like really into what you do to the point where he'll critique it. My daughter is 15 and very funny. Mm-hmm. She loves to make fun of me and I love it. No. I just enjoy it so much when they get that way. Because it's not saucy. It's not like you're being obnoxious. She, she's, she loves the love. That's what I love about my daughter. She loves to love. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. I love my son more than you do. Now, we're going to end this show with some of the things that happened to me towards the end of the year. Now, you know, Vince, many of our shows in 2016 were dominated by discussions of my love life, which, of course, had plenty of ups and some downs. Yeah, mostly ups, frankly. And I gather you're not talking about my penis. <laughs> I'm never talking about your penis. Uh, well, then, then let's definitely stick to the other matter at hand, my love life. No one offered better advice than I did, Gersh. No, that's true, Vince. You are a handsome man, and you've always been there for me. But Max Yeager, as you'll hear in our next clip, one of your editors, had a lot more to say. Mm, uh, let's take a listen. <laughs> and I ask you once again, is it me? Just you can, And you can be honest. I don't care. Is it me? Is there a flaw in me that prevents me from getting close to people. It sounds like there is. Wow. Okay. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, you you broke it off, yep. and you had your reasons for doing it. Wait, but, wait. But these well, are. Well, I'm not sure that's clear. Did you break it off? Well, it, it, was I did, it mutual, I did it it, or you broke it off? I broke it off. Really? So there were some hurt feelings here. Well, and some of them are on my side too. But but the fact is, I, Max is on to something. But this changes everything, Gersh. I was under the impression this whole time. That you had some sort of uh, dumping 
but it, but it's not in fact a dumping. You were the dumper, not we the dumpy. We had we had a lengthy discussion, Max, uh, after watching three episodes of The Crown, which is a fantastic show, by the way. Is that on Netflix? Late, yeah, late in the evening. We then I initiated discussion, saying, "Look, I, I I am failing to give you what you need and what you deserve, and it it's it's breaking my heart." It seems like it's the it's not you, it's me. No. Uh, well, that's so that's what I'm asking, Max. Right Max, now. it is clearly me, is what you're saying. Yeah, but it, I I feel like. For example, with my kids, with my friends, I have so much love. I feel so connected to the people around me. And yet when it gets really serious with a woman, and this has happened now four or five times since my divorce, to give you an idea of how short my relationships are, I get really close and then I pull back because they get so, for lack of a better term, in love with Gersh Kuntzman. I mean, they do, Vince. Not to give the wrong impression. I've had great relationships. Women love me. I love women. Mm Mm-hmm. But there, there does sometimes come a point where a woman, they fall in love with me. You're just too lovable, Gersh. Well, I mean, you know me, Vince. Yeah, well, you're like a little Gersh doll. I'm like a little Gersh doll. Like a fuzzy Gersh doll. Now, obviously, there's some people I dated. One of them wanted to have a kid. That's just not happening. I've got two wonderful ki- kids of my own. Uh-huh. Another wanted to move out of New York, and that's not happening because I'm Brooklyn-born. And Whereabouts? Bad. Where do they want to go? Well, anywhere, pretty much. Just anywhere. out of New York. I'm just a New Yorker. So gotcha. We continued in that same show with Ruth Brown. Now, Ruth Brown also is one of your editors, yeah. and she offered we, more insights. We brought insight. in all the experts, Gersh. We, we brought them we all in. We had to. Now, yes. she had some great insights into my problems. Yeah, but I think you were flirting with her just I a was definitely bit. not flirting with her. I, I had, do say in the clip that I have always wanted to date an Australian, mm-hmm. but she's married. I only brought her on because she had some great things to say about marriage and about relationships, so let's listen to that. Yeah. Oh, tell her to tweet the show first. Tell her we're on the air. Well, if she doesn't answer, I'm going to call somebody else. I, yeah. Oh, there I, she is. Uh, Ruth Brown, it's Gersh Kuntzman of Brooklyn Paper Radio. We are doing a special edition show about the failures of Gersh Kuntzman in ask relationships. Her, ask her if she tweeted it. First, you should tweet the show. We're live. Mm-hmm. And well, then you I'm should... doing my job here. I'm All right. Well, come on in because you've got to be on the show. We need you. All right. Here she comes. So the reason, I'll tell you why we're calling uh, Ruth Brown. Ruth Brown is married. So obviously this is not me flirting with Ruth because I'm on the rebound. I want to date an Aussie journalist. Ruth, I'm just explaining. She's in the audience here. Ruth, I'm just explaining. You're a married lady. Correct. Great journalist. So Correct. this is not a Gersh Kuntzman on the rebound trying to date Ruth Brown. Let's put her on the show. Okay? Just Although it, it could be. Look, we're going to talk about that. Anyway, Ruth, you're a journalist, a great journalist. You've been married. For how many years have you been married? Mm, that's a good question. Um, wow. Like. What's the heck of a marriage? Uh, what year is it now? 20, like. I don't know. That's the toughest, Six years. happiest Six years. day of your life the Six day you got married. <laughs> Six Clearly. years you've been married. Now, Ruth, you've been married. You're a journalist. You work long hours at the Brooklyn paper at the same desk I sat at for many years. How do you keep it going? What's the secret when you're a journalist, your, your hands are in the sausage, your hands are in the mud every day. My ex-girlfriend, she didn't love that about us. How do you do it? How do you keep it going? Well, uh, my husband might agree with you, uh, with her on that. Uh, it is tough with the hours. Um, I think, in general, the I've always thought the secret to making relationships work is that you should lead fairly independent lives. I in- think things always lives. seem to go sour when people need the other person around constantly, and they always need to be doing the same activity at the same time. I think it's fine for people to have their own lives, their own friends, their own social activities, their own jobs. And, you know, come together to do things sometimes and then go your own way other times. You don't well, have to be together every night. You don't have to eat dinner together every night. You don't have to go to the same movies every time. Hmm. 
So is that is that how they do it in Australia or South Africa or wherever your accent tells us you're from? <laughs> uh, no, I think that I, I'm pretty sure the same relationship problems are probably fairly universal. Well, I, I want to backtrack, though. So you're talking about you literally you, 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 you don't spend that much time together with your spouse. So it's not forever together. It's forever not together. Uh, look, I would say we don't spend as much time together as probably either, either of us would like, which is partially due to the erratic and demanding hours of my job, but also sometimes his job. Uh, but, you know, I think we try to spend quality time together at other points, but sometimes he might say, I want to go and see this show and I'm not interested in going to see that show. And I say, fine, find a friend to yeah. go and I will do something else with my evening. And that I'm, perf- I'm perfectly happy to do that. Because you're comfortable who you are. Yeah, I'm comfortable who I am, and I, I think if you love somebody, you don't. Why? Why would you want to be making them do something that's not enjoyable for them? Wow, uh, what that clip reminded me most about, and you had to listen very carefully, was the problems we had with the phone system in here all year. Do we? Do we have a, a, a bunch of clips of us trying to work the phone? <laughs> we don't. And the reason this is a best of show, Vince, a best of 2016, our phone foibles will never be aired again. Now. We have to end the show. We do. We want to thank our sponsors who we didn't talk about, uh, VillageCareMax.org, Dr. Joseph Lichter, and, of course, Atlas Steakhouse. Atlas Steakhouse. I can see by the bottle of homemade amaretto from Laura Cangiano that this show is over, but we want to have Feral Foster play us out. Now, Vince, you remember Feral Foster. He came on the show to give us a musical interlude in advance of the Brooklyn Folk Festival. That's a great event. And has, this is how we're going to play out, right? Yeah, we're going to just play it out. Johnny, you play it out. And I just want to thank Vince for a great 2016. It's been a great year for no, Brooklyn Paper Radio. Everything else was pretty much shit. Yeah. <laughs> but 2016 Brooklyn Paper Radio, great year. And 2017 will be even better. I'm All very right, excited play us out, Farrell Foster. Play another song. Okay. Something that doesn't make me want to commit suicide. Yeah. Doesn't have to be upbeat. Make Preferably. me cry. Make me get in touch with my spiritual core. But play it. This song's about alcohol. Alcohol, there you go.
to thee Jesus how can you possibly mean this how could so much come between us isn't life funny that clearer than the reflection I see in the mirror but when I try to get nearer mercy I gotta say, Farrell, I did not want to commit suicide listening to that song. And that is high praise. That's fantastic. Because it was a depressing song, you know what I mean, Vince? It's time for church, Gersh.